Hey guys, welcome to Bono Stuff, episode number 45 with David Thomas Tao, one of my oldest friends, founder of Barbend, uh, amazing website. If you're not familiar, check them out. The best content on the internet for all things fitness-related, strongman, CrossFit, Olympic weightlifting, one of the few resources that covers it all. And yeah, just super stoked to have had the chance to catch up with David here. I'm used to calling him Tao, so calling him David's always a little weird for me. But anyway, hope you guys enjoy this chat. Uh, check out the whiskeys if you're a fan of any kind of whiskey. This man is from Kentucky, so he knows his whiskey. I've tried both that he recommends in the show, um, and they were both well worth the money. <laughs> and uh, I am currently doing no alcohol for 30 days, as well as no dairy as a way to recover from the pneumonia uh, that I had back in March, still recovering, and uh, yeah, it's it's been good, so uh, keep you guys updated, and again, hope you enjoy. If you like the show, remember to subscribe, like, share, comment, leave a review in your podcast app of choice, and without further ado, here we go. Maybe. Hey guys, we are live with David Thomas Tao here on Bono Stuff. Uh, where the theme is to teach Bo more stuff. So, Tao, teach me something. We're going to oh. talk about a few topics, but how are you today? You are in Brooklyn. I am in Brooklyn. I'm in our. We're back in the office a, l- a little bit, gradually opening back up in Dumbo. So I'm in like a, a weird ad hoc recording studio, but I'm really excited to redo our office post-pandemic. And I got to say, it's it's an honor to be on Bo Knows Stuff because over the years, I've learned much more from Bo than Bo's learned from me. So as far as I can tell, this is to try and correct the differential a little bit, maybe tip the scales back, but but it's going to be a lot of work. I don't know how, much, how long we have for that. I'll, I'll have to kind of half say, maybe I didn't learn as much directly from the mouth of David Tao, but I learned a lot from like the things you've created and and done maybe we can you, go off of that. You've learned by elimination, right? Like, oh, don't do that. Oh, yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Don't no, but do you, that. But, but to be fair, you created one of the top fitness websites in the world. Where are we at now? Number four? Was that was, was it number four? I don't I don't know. The, it's, it's, it's tough because like there are all these different categories, right? There's health and mm-hmm. fit. There's, there's health and wellness, which is big. And then there's health and fitness, which is narrower. Then there's fitness, which is narrower. Then there's strength training, which is narrower than their strength sports, which is narrower than that. And we've kind of been like working up the rung. So for a while it was like strength sports. We were the biggest and strength training. We were kind of the biggest. And now we're like inching up to where we're, we're kind of in that realm of like fitness where among the bigger ones, it's a pretty big realm. Yeah. But if you get up to the top of that, like health and wellness, it's like WebMD and is live strong still up there. I don't, I haven't. They, they used to be. They used to be like the thing. They yeah. used to be, they were, they were like the powerhouse content creators. Yeah. I don't think they're what they used to be. Don't right. quote me on that, but I haven't yeah. like seen them pop up in a lot That's of searches. Right. Um, That's all right. <laughs> the thing is like Google's gotten very good at, because we're an organic site, right? Most of our traffic comes from like social media or Google or other websites. And like Google and other websites have, have gotten much better 
right? At referring to it's like there's there's more than one place to get information these days, which is great. But 11 years ago, when I kind of got started in the industry, it was like just Livestrong. They had like the one article on this thing, so everyone was like, "Oh, why do you need to write another article on that? There's already yeah. an answer to it." <laughs> Turns out the answers weren't always that good. Right. Yeah. And again, back to that time frame, I think the big things in the more niche maybe was the testosterone nation. Yep. Uh, what were some of the other breaking muscle, breaking muscle? I mean, these are all still around, right? Yeah. These are all yeah. like, uh, and some of them still have like really, really good content. Um, men's health is still very big, mm -hmm. but they're more of a, like men's health produces a lot of like celebrity gossip right. content now, like <laughs> you who's know, training what, or, you know, it's even like Shia LaBeouf is dating this person. Oh, and like, you'll find they? that on men's health now. <laughs> um, which creates a lot of traffic, but they still write like the fitness content, but they write just a lot of like. A lot of the men's mags went to very general content um, mm -hmm. because that's where I think where advertising dollars were. We don't we don't do that, um, so we're like still technically niche. Right. I think I think it's what makes us niche is that we don't write like Harry Styles. Yeah. <laughs> Is wearing yeah. this new jacket and it's crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, you had uh, was it when uh, Trump Jr. deadlifted like four hundred pounds? You'll throw some of that in there. Or he we, did Murph and claimed he did it in like twenty seven minutes, and that would have been like five minutes faster than any other person yeah. in the world. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. I think we did write about that basically to put it in context <laughs> as far as like. So that didn't happen. Uh, yeah. That almost certainly didn't happen. <laughs> um, if you want to, if you want to read the article, cool. And the article is just like, yeah, nope. Uh, nope. <laughs> for reference, no. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you know, <laughs> sure. I, I will share this talking about that past uh, past time or whatever when men's health used to be a real, I guess, fitness or or. That's not. That's not to say they don't produce great stuff. Right, still, right. they still produce some really great stuff. I just they they're. They do write on a wider range of, right. of a very wide range of stuff outside of what I would call. They're, they pivoted a bit. Would you? Can we use that? I would say they broadened. I would say that it's broadened. like they write. Yes. They write like men's interest stuff, not just men's right. health. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like they always sort of, kind of did that. So what I was going to say is, back in like 2004, maybe when I was a senior in college, just to date myself. Um, I, I think I got a subscription and, you know, I got the year subscription and I literally would highlight yep. articles and that was like stuff where I was, I was, again, I did an independent study at my university of, uh, exercise physiology. So I was reading that exercise physiology textbook and then I was kind of supplementing it with men's health and going through some of their stuff. And again, I would, uh, one of my best friends who you met with the most annoying dog ever, and he won't listen to this, you know exactly who I'm talking about. And he has the I, same first name as you, and that's okay. I know he won't listen to this. So uh, hopefully somebody watches and I, listens to this and we'll get this back to him. You know, I was thinking about that friend earlier because he was heavily <laughs> featured in the WeWork documentary that's yes. out on Hulu. Yes. And I was watching that because my good friend, my my, my college roommate is one of the, the talking heads in that, that like mm. is giving the, the postmortem basically on mm -hmm. like WeWork or what happened with their IPO. And then suddenly I see your friend from college <laughs> Who's like working from, for from we high work, school from high, from high school. school? Sorry, and it also just a quick story. This has uh, this is a, an aside <laughs> from health and fitness. I'm so sorry, folks. I looked back in my email, and you invited me. You were very nice, and you invited me to WeWork summer camp mm, in 2013, yes. and I said no. Big and, mistake. 
it big mistake, but in hindsight, I'm so glad because a lot of footage from that <laughs> showed up in this in this Hulu documentary. I haven't watched it. Did you see me in there at all? Because I was there. You were not. You were not there. But like, I look I was, really. I was there, but I wasn't. You were in there. The, but I look really place. strange, and I had a giant afro at the time. So there's a hundred percent chance I would have ended up in that documentary and like not wanted to be. Um, but I was thinking about that because David, other David, your high school friend, is in yes. that. Doc- he's like his face. I don't think he actually speaks in it, but like he's in the mm-hmm. background of like a lot, a lot of the shots. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that is a thing. But yes, very annoying dog. And uh, he, I was bringing him up. I was trying to go back to how we got that, down that path. He saw me in college with my like pages of like ripped out men's health, like, you know, tabs and notes and things. I eventually was like, oh, maybe this isn't the best source of information. Maybe I should go to like medical journals and things like that as I got more evolved in my scientific pursuit of excellence and all that good stuff. So anyway, that was kind of the the aside there. So we didn't even mention, I mean, we I think you might have accidentally mentioned it, but yes, the website that we were talking about that. David actually fa- co-founded, technically, mm-hmm. yes, is uh, Bar Bend, which I still remember uh, visiting New York City from when I was in Dubai, and I went and met up with you at uh, Five Guys, Five Napkin, Five Napkin Burger. Either five, Square. either five Napkin or Five Guys. We've we've been it to was both Five together. Napkin. It was the okay. Five Napkin uh, off of 14th and oh, the sit down, yeah, the the, the, yeah. the the nicer sit down place, yes. Yeah, and you told me about this Bar Bend concept. I was like, oh, that's that's cool. And then, uh, yeah, and, and then it turned into this pretty big thing as, as it did. And because, you know, most of what David puts his, you know, energy behind, I think, can be very successful if it is not other negative energies around it. Anyway, not every project is going to work out. But the point being that, uh, yes, he created this, co-founded this thing that is a pretty big deal. And again, I, 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 I'll just thank you on behalf of most of the fitness world. Um, for having this resource uh, specifically covering all these strength sports where, uh, again, there was no coverage. And, and you know, again, yeah, you, if you had to do a Google search, uh, it was just difficult to get some of this information. And so, again, the coverage of CrossFit, which I'm a big fan of, I would think that some of my people listening here are fans of, um, just, yeah, general health and, and wellness. And, again, allowing me to contribute somewhat um, and having other even much better than me contributors to, you know, how to improve your sleep, how to improve your joint health, things like that. So, uh, and on top of that, again, I'm one of the biggest fans, I would say of your podcast. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, glad to have you here and hopefully we can, uh, have a little more productive conversation than, uh, all this reminiscing. Sorry. No, I think the reminiscing is important because I think that like your experience with health and fitness content in college was from a very different time. And like Mm -hmm. some stuff has changed, some stuff hasn't changed. And we talk about, it's easy to look back on like the old, like the T nations of the world, which is still around. And it's like still a big site. It's easy to go like, Oh, that's a, that's an old site. Remember that. But that's how a lot of very influential people in fitness today Mm First found an audience online. I think yeah. of people like Tony Gentleman. Tony, yeah, exactly. I think of people like Dan John, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I, I count Tony as a as a good friend. Uh, Dan, uh, I've actually never met him in in person, but he's been on the podcast and we, we chat fairly regularly. Um, so and you did his, and we both did his ten thousand swing challenge. Oh, I did not do his ten thousand swing oh. challenge. I did a version of it. His was actually probably tougher. But all <laughs> that to say. Um, you know, those sites are still, it's still important, right? Because 
what we're trying to do at our, this stage in Barbin, Barbin's five years old right now, right? We are trying to now think of like, when we started, we just wanted to kind of disrupt and, and fill the gaps that we thought were in the, were in the space, in the, at that space at that time. Now we actually found ourselves looking ahead to say, okay, what are the gaps that we can fill six months from now, a year from now, two years from now? And full disclosure, Barbin, we're actually going on a bit of a hiring spree starting literally today. We opened up some jobs today. Mm-hmm. Uh, some job descriptions, and they're they're jobs to try and preempt where, what gaps we want to fill six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, not just expand what we already do. So mm. I actually love that you brought these up because what what didn't exist was what we took inspiration from back then, and we're actually trying to get back in that mindset because mm-hmm. after five years, things can kind of get a little stale. You can right. kind of sit back on your heels. So um, it's cool you brought that up. As Wayne Gretzky said, uh, don't go to where the puck is. Go to where the puck is going. I haven't figured that out yet. And if you actually <laughs> see me try and, try and, try and ice skate, it's, it's pretty funny. But, uh, um, it's, it, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And he's, he's what was he, the great one? The, the great one, yes. The great, the great one. one. I don't want to mess that up because I know there, any hockey fan in the world will be very upset if we mess that up. But hockey, I, fans I think, don't listen, hockey fans don't listen to podcasts. That's a fact. That's true. That's true. Fact. Scientific fact. Another throwback I'll show you is uh, I, I didn't do this on purpose, but this was, do you remember this this shirt? Oh, the Team Dangerous shirt. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the rabbit or yep. was on the back. So any of those Team Dangerous folks are out there. Um, that was another little social community in the CrossFit space uh, around where David and I met in the 2010s early 2010s early 2010s um, and yeah which was really cool because at the time a lot of folks crossfit was taking off and, and people didn't know what to like what to do with that they they were like cool i see these people in the gym but i want to be friends with them and interact with them outside of the gym how do we create space for that and so all these different communities were popping up and, and, the, and the big one in new york was called team dangerous and i'm still very close with it and bo is too with the, the folks who founded that and it is no more it doesn't exist anymore mm. in that form but it was um it was cool because at the time you know you'd spend your hour in the gym and this was a, an outlet to kind of interact with people that you meet in the gym outside of the gym that you might have other things in common with these days i think the uh the answer to that is just people spend more time in a gym so back then it was like you'd go to CrossFit and then you'd leave. These days I think people go to CrossFit gyms or powerlifting gyms and they just stick they just stay there for hours and hours and hours mm. and treat them like coffee shops and social hangouts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, on the foam rolling and just laying there on the yeah. on the foam roller kind of jabbing away. Oh, I'm going to do some accessory work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, sure. Yeah. I'm working on my uh strict ring muscle ups or what have you. Anyway, my, my mobility mobility yes that's a fun word um <laughs> i since you're you're hopefully i think we, we can say you have the pulse uh, your finger on the pulse of the fitness world in terms of uh the way things are coming back from COVID. i do want to shift over that question of uh and we're recording this oh austin mcdewer says thanks doc not sure why he's saying thanks to me but okay uh, oh maybe it's the shout out i don't know anyway uh but the question being um with the COVID return is, and I do want to talk about the kettlebell sport and how that's sure. been an interesting uh, thing for, for an, an adaptation, again, pivot with the way COVID went, but in terms of returning to gyms and strongman growing and all these different kind of uh, whatever we want to call them auxiliary sports. Is that, is that a term that's acceptable? Um, maybe sure. strong. <laughs> I wouldn't call them auxil- auxiliary implies that they're like, 
accomplishment is something else. Yeah, maybe they're standalones. Okay, sure. Yes, that's fair. I don't want to disrespect anything there. But so we have powerlifting, strongman, Olympic weightlifting. um, I'm I'm missing CrossFit, of course. But yeah, in in terms of all those, uh, yeah, how how are are they all kind of coming back strong? Again, I know you signed up for a kettlebell sport competition a few months from now is you know again i i'm i'm pretty in touch with the crossfit space that seems to be working its way back uh to pretty full strength so yeah tell me tell me how you feel about all the sports are there ones that are lagging behind based on their nature or so i think some are coming back very strong um weightlifting is coming back very strong actually usa weightlifting announced that nationals in late june early july in detroit is going to be fully live they were all on virtual events and then they did a hybrid event uh, in Salt Lake City where it was like a mix of online and some in-person competitors a limited capacity. Uh, Nationals is going to be in person, which I'm very, very excited about. I will probably be there um, running some color commentary. Um, and I think weightlifting has done well because there have been a lot of uh, remote competitions. Folks have had a, a year to work on, like to, to really work on the gains actually Right now, we have simultaneously Pan Ams and the Asian Championships going on Like while when we're recording this. And just records are falling left and right because no one's competed in a year and they've gotten <laughs> to just like work on their strength. Yeah. Um, I think weightlifting is going to come back very strong. I think the Olympics will help with that, at least domestically this year. We have a very strong-looking team that could actually win some medals in Tokyo. And that always does a lot for weightlifting in mm. the United States. Every time we have medal success, it you know, there's a media buzz around that and it, it lifts the profile of the sport. So I think that's really cool. We've got a lot of folks who can medal at the Olympics uh, this year, which is very, very neat. Um, I think Strongman is doing fine. I think that it is bouncing back well. I think that, you know, they were able to have World's Strongest Man last year. It was delayed, but they were to have it, able to have it in a bubble um, and kind of build it for TV. They're going to have it in Sacramento this year. Um, kind of more in the normal time in the summer as opposed to the winter or late fall. And um, I think it's going to bounce back just fine. And I know Strongman has grown a lot locally in the U.S. over the last couple of years and has continued to do so, especially when it comes to like amateur competitions, women's competitions, things like that. Powerlifting is interesting in that it was growing rapidly, and I'm not sure of the numbers right now, but there have been a lot of like breakaway federations. USA powerlifting is not getting along with the international powerlifting hmm. federation right now. So it's a little unclear, like domestically in the United States, what's going to happen with drug tested powerlifting. Hmm. Um, so powerlifting is like very, is like, I'd say doing quite well, but it's like TBD. Yeah. What the future of that is from an organizational standpoint right now. Um, to be fair, weightlifting has gone through its own. Yeah. I was going to uh, kind of chime in on that and say, again, you guys obviously, and anyone not familiar with with some of the the drama and storylines going on there, uh, definitely Barben's been covering a lot of that. So it's been interesting trying to keep up with some of that. It is a little strange because we are obviously very close with the USA Weightlifting. That's disclosed. Everyone knows that. We're very open about that. We are like officially partnered with them. Mm-hmm. Um, like we have a contract with them, and they have a contract with us. It's interesting though because. Um, USA Weightlifting is one of mi- several national governing bodies that are are at odds with the International Weightlifting Federation in many ways right now. Um, and there's been a lot of controversy at the international level weightlifting. I don't want to go too much into that here. You yeah. can go to Barbend and, and, mm-hmm. and find out more about that. But suffice it to say, it's 
Unclear what's going to happen with the sport internationally, although I will say weightlifting seems to be stronger than ever. Hey, thanks, Shane. I, I try to have my finger on the pulse. <laughs> Shane has his finger on the pulse, actually. That's thanks for true. the comment, Shane. Um, and uh, I think the sport's very strong in the United States. Internationally, there's been a lot of call for reform. Yeah. We will see what happens. And then CrossFit obviously has undergone the most change, but also the least change, right? Mm. Because CrossFit is now a company that is no longer owned by Greg Glassman. But at the same time, it's a company where the competition was and the trademark was still just owned by one company. There are not like splinter cell, um, not large, like other federations running CrossFit competitions. They can't because they don't own the trademark. So mm -hmm. CrossFit is still very much like there's a one CrossFit season. There's one CrossFit games. It's changed because of the pandemic, but it's still very much like focused in. Um, organizational changes at CrossFit, I think we're still going to see a lot to yeah. come. And yeah. they've announced a lot to come. And I think that the relationship between CrossFit and CrossFit affiliates is going to be evolving a lot over the next year. There's a lot but of optimism for sure. I don't know exactly which, I don't know exactly what those changes are. I just want right. to clarify, like I don't have the crystal ball here, yeah. but I think that there's a lot that's going to be changing based on CrossFit's new ownership. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is that um, I think the pandemic is actually going to be a net positive, not that the pandemic's a net positive right. in any way, but right, I think right. that, the pandemic has the silver lining. Maybe the silver lining of the pandemic is that people have started to explore other strength sports that are a bit more obscure. Mm -hmm. One of those is Moss wrestling. Actually a mm. uh, bit of a heads up. Barbara is going to be opening up a lot more content on Moss wrestling soon, mm. which I'm really excited about. I thought um, you were going to say opening up Moss wrestling facilities across the United States. Those would probably be the cheapest facilities you could open. Cause you need like <laughs> a board. That's all you need. A board and a, do you have a floor? And a board, <laughs> you can you can set up a moss wrestling center. I, um, I really encourage anyone who has not seen it or been fam or, or you know not familiar with what it is to just Google that one. You can pause this, or uh, if you're live, don't pause it. But yeah, <laughs> Google Google Barben plus moss wrestling. We actually have I think the best explainer as to what moss mm -hmm. wrestling is. Um, I think it's awesome, and I think it's something that a lot of folks have been exploring in quarantine because like. You only need one competitor. Um, it's a you can you can hold a competition like at your gym, right. um, or with a friend. And spell that spell that for folks. M A S. That's it. Mas. Mas. Like like, like more in Spanish. Like like, uh, like Taco Bell's old slogan: "Live Mas." <laughs> Live Mas. That's right. Which is anyway. And then the other sport <laughs> that I think is actually growing a lot because of the pandemic is kettlebell sport. Yeah. Um, not just like kettlebell training, not just doing kettlebell swings, but like the actual kettlebell sport, um, which we can talk about in a second. But that is a sport that is basically like had a ton of competitions during COVID because it's a sport where you're standing in one place doing the same thing over and over again. It's basically <laughs> built to have virtual competitions. Like if you have right. a if you have a smartphone, you can compete in kettlebell sport internationally. Um, and while I do think in-person competitions for that are very cool and something people are excited about. Folks have been training more at home. They've been buying up kettlebells like hotcakes. And they are, they are a hot commodity. And if you're like me, you have kettlebells at home and you're like, well, what can I do with this? That's more than just like, I, I want something to train for. I want a right. goal to work for. And hence kettlebell sport, I think has become more popular. And especially coming out of the pandemic will be more popular because folks have had more exposure to kettlebells. Mm -hmm. They're looking for more opportunities to train at home. But at the same time, you train at home for long enough, it can get boring. You need a goal to work toward. So I think kettlebell sport is poised for a big breakout here in the United States in Russia, which is a place Bo and I um, have some have talked, connection to have some connection <laughs> to uh, kettlebell sport is much bigger and much yes. more popular and is a firmly established, but yes. in the United States, not quite so much. 
the way is it the way of the kettlebell pavel tatsuin the way of the war uh, maybe i'm mixing that up yeah it's controversial because he 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 does not is not a kettlebell sport practitioner he's no a kettlebell he's just a kettlebell training yes yeah got yes. well he's what they call hard style we can get into yes. that difference in a second here just a lot of a lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of how can it's a lot of GPP, a lot of general like mm-hmm. how do you use kettlebells to basically bulletproof your body. So it's a yeah. lot of like, you know, are if you're training in the military and you have ten minutes a day to work out, how right. do you optimize that? And there are lots a lot of really cool things you can do with that, but that's like hard style kettlebell training. Right. It's kettlebell training for other stuff, whereas kettlebell sport is you are literally just trying to get as efficient as possible at doing one of three movements with kettlebells, and that is. It. So, like for Olympic weightlifting, you're trying to get as efficient as possible to lift maximal loads two. in two across two lifts. Two. In kettlebell well, sport, it is, it is kind of three. I mean, the clean and jerk. I always right. In well, my in mind, kettlebell sport, three. the clean and the jerk are like there's the there's the snatch, there's the clean and jerk, and then there's just the jerk. Right. In kettlebell sport, you're trying to do as many reps in, as possible at the same weight in a given time period. So you're trying to get as efficient as possible, but it's so you can lift the most weight over time. Our our old troll friend Craig Pugh chiming in. Oh, <laughs> Craig. Jeff Martone. <laughs> Craig, what a what a name! Haven't heard that name in a while. Yes. Um, pew 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 pew. I do. I I did always enjoy those pew pews. For those who don't know what kettlebell sport, just to give like a little a back background, kettlebell sport is um you're generally using two bells. Now women actually women and men can com- compete in single bell disciplines. Uh, and actually, the snatch is always a single bell. But kettlebell sport is uh, there are two main versions. One's called long cycle, which is ten minutes of clean and jerks with one or two bells. Normally, two these days. So ten minutes of clean and jerks. You cannot put the bells down. Like yeah, you, yeah. you don't you don't get on clean and jerks. You don't get like you can't like put the bells down, shake it out, get back on. Once the bells once you pick up the bells, you you you're started as soon as the bells leave your hands basically you're you're done so you try and go for the full 10 minutes and do as many reps as possible um amateurs which is what i'm training at now usually compete with like 24 kilo bells but you can compete with eight kilo bells 12 16 20 and then pros compete with 32 kilo bells and then there's the biathlon which is uh 10 minutes of snatch and you get to switch hands once but you still can't put the bell down um and then you come back later in the day and you do just 10 minutes of jerks with either one or two bells and you mm. can't put them down. So the biathlon is like, you know, it's, it's two disciplines over yeah. the, and, and you're competing for two 10 minute sessions, the long cycle, you're just competing for one 10 minute session. And the reason being, if you do 10 minutes of long cycle at your full capacity, you ain't doing anything else that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, how, and it's been 10 minutes. I'm just interested about the, the domain, the time domain been 10 minutes for pretty much meant very long time there are a lot of variations coming yeah 10 minutes is like the standard. Well, and that's is that long that's long cycle sorry the long cycle snatch and and biathlon so it's minutes. like yeah it's 10 minutes so so if your long cycle is 10 minutes and then on the biathlon 10 minutes of snatch is, is there a short there. cycle short cycle is is sometimes referred to as is that's just what you refer to as the jerk but okay. the time domain is the same Still, 10 minutes oh okay so, oh also i think i'm incorrect by the way on biathlon you jerk first and then you come back and snatch okay later on sorry i had the, this mixed flip uh, but but the long cycle it's just referring to the the movement not the time domain so mm. most norm normally it's 10 minutes but they are actually there are a lot of competitions these days um where it's like you can compete 
and train in five minute sets. Right. There are marathons where you go for like 30, 30 minutes. Yeah. I've seen one competition where it was uh, someone went for two, like the time domain was two and a half hours. It's like, how Ooh. many can you do without putting the bells down in two and a half hours? Oof. So people do all sorts of crazy stuff. Well, I'll, I, I, I wanted to kind of hone in on that time domain because again, my study or, or branding and my practice uh, when I work with clients uh, has a lot to do with redefining fitness or, or how we look at fitness, especially over the long term. So I'm, I know you're familiar with the Cooper test, um, which is one of the more standardized, I guess, tests in the exercise physiology space, which is a 12 minute time domain. It's done a lot with uh, police, uh, law enforcement, military. Uh, basically, usually it's just how far can you run in 12 minutes? And then an additional component might be how quickly does your heart rate recover? So it's really interesting to me when we're talking about this definition of fitness. And again, even to the CrossFit side without being, uh, you know, sometimes too uh, dogmatic about the language, which I, I know sometimes throws some people off, but just talking about the concept of how much work can you get done in a 10 minute space. And if we change, you know, okay, cool. We have three different things we're doing in 10 minute spaces. And if you can do 52 reps, I don't know what a good score is. Sorry. Um, if you can do 52 reps and, uh, and you can do 52 reps and I can do 50 reps, you're two reps fitter than me on that test. Yeah. Right. So then we can keep uh, playing around in that CrossFit kind of style of, you know, uh, okay, cool. But then I can do more burpees than you in seven minutes um, or what have you. So anyway, it's just an interesting thing to me about the 10 minute time domain, comparing it to this 12 minute kind of global um, Cooper test, which I think is one of the biggest measures of um, overall cardiovascular fitness for the long term. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I was, I was pontificating, I guess, and going down some rabbit holes there. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. I mean, I think it's a really cool thing. I think it's the fact that like it's 10 minutes, it's the same weight. You can really compare apples to apples with like everyone around the world, right? Like if you set a world record, if you do the most reps in long cycle in kettlebell sport, right? Um, of anyone, like if you set a world record, you've truly set a world record, right? And there are body weight classes, right? right. But it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's kind of neat. It's like, I think the fact that the workouts are just the same, like it's kind of boring to watch. That's why they're trying to mix it up, do more different time domains, like add different things to, to the sport. But ultimately um, it's kind of neat to know that everyone's competing at the same thing, often with the same weights. And you right. can just really like measure, pro you can measure your progress over the years because mm -hmm. it's the same thing. It's right. the same thing over and over and over right. again, which is like same with powerlifting and weightlifting. Um, or I think the more common thing that that comes to mind for me is just yeah, like a four hundred meter run or a one mile run, uh, where again it is you can't you're you're running the same distance I'm running, yeah. and yeah, it's just okay. You did it thirty seconds faster than me, so you know I need to train that. But yeah, it's the changing of domains to so yeah. I know I've heard you speak about making it more of a viewer friendly sport. So again, for people to watch, you know, tra a track event. Uh, usually you can see like, oh, that person's coming yeah. from behind. And yeah. like, that's what makes it. And that's when people are actually sharing it on Facebook of like, watch this, you know, a uh, student from University of Michigan come behind, come from behind against this Ohio State person. Like, oh, they're so yeah, you could. And, and I think I heard you guys talk about that on one of the Barbend podcasts of like, can you have that head to head kind of competition, maybe making it a little bit more of a friendly sport for viewers on top of the benefits of everything it's doing fitness wise and just the coolness of saying, uh, you know, having that accountability of saying, you know what, Tao started doing kettlebell sport six months ago. I'm recovering from COVID. Uh, so I'm going to take up this 
this sport because I'm trying to get my lungs back. So, uh, but yeah, I'm going to try to catch Tao because I don't like Tao being able to do anything better than me. So, and, and, <laughs> and for anyone, and that goes way back uh, many years uh, to many workouts, him, I, and the Phantom of the Opera, Paul, who said he was going to be watching, uh, you know, the, the, that was the, the workout group that we, 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 we had many fun days and sing-alongs in the gym. We don't need to talk about that though, um, where Paul would criticize my, my tenors and such. Anyway, um, but back to kettlebell sport. So anyway, uh, did you have other things about kettle, kettlebell sports? Sorry if I, uh, took oh, no, I was just saying it's been a lot of fun to train for. And it's something that, um, I actually feel a little bit like I'm dropping a weight class, uh, for my first, I signed up for my first in competition in October in Minneapolis, the twin cities kettlebell sport open shout out to, uh, the folks up at twin cities kettlebell, uh, club. And, um, no, I think it's a really, it's a really neat sport that also, I think addresses something that I was getting a little tired of in strength which is just moving toward like maximal strength mm -hmm. which just which tends to go down at a certain point mm -hmm. um you kind of peak in the olympic lifts before you peak in powerlifting some powerlifters don't peak until they're like 50s honestly right but i wanted something that felt a little bit more athletic and had more of a cardiovascular component mm -hmm. but i also wanted something that was competitive um and maybe a little easier on my joints not to say that about yeah. sports super easy on the joints but um <laughs> You know, I it's I was not just super easy on the back of the wrist. Definitely. You learn, you learn. Yeah, you, learn. you adapt um, to that. <laughs> but I I don't know. I was just taking a beating, like going to CrossFit classes, doing you know 150 box jumps and kipping pull ups. Like I was just taking a beating, and I think kettlebell sport is a sport that's based around maximizing movement efficiency. And you know, if you have something that's wrong with your movement. Mm -hmm any kind of shearing force or something as an example, yeah. that's inefficient. Um, you're going to feel it over thousands of reps. Right. So you fix it mm -hmm. and you're ultimately looking for a movement that is easier to do and easier on the body. And you're trying to actually put in less effort with each rep you do and mm -hmm. learn how to do that. So it's a sport that really does promote longevity. And you actually see a lot of kettlebell sport. People take up kettlebell sport like in their thirties as I did. And, and it becomes a lifelong endeavor and, you know, they're competing into yeah. their, people are competing into their seventies, mm -hmm. um, often at lighter weights, yeah. but you know, it's something where it does not necessarily require the impact of like sprinting or box right. jumps or, or high impact gymnastics. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and that's one thing that was, I was thinking of as you were talking is it's this really cool combination of strength and endurance. So yep. you have this extreme of, yeah, chasing one rep maxes um, and, and almost no difficulty breathing. Obviously, as you do the heavy lift, your, your heart rate's jacking up. But yeah, uh, but yeah, 10 minute cycle. Again, that interesting combination to and the 12 minute Cooper test is just something that's been there for a long time. So I don't know that 12 minutes and I, this is why I kind of brought that up or where I mm -hmm. my mind was going with it is 12 minutes is not necessarily the definitive measure for your fitness. If you're fitter in 10 minutes versus 12 minutes, like it doesn't make you. Uh, any less fit per se. So anyway, but I, I find it very interesting that it is this combination where again, some, a lot of people go to running or some form of cardio as their form of fitness. And so, and a lot of times the physio community says, Hey, maybe you want to supplement some strength in there, right. you know, to, to balance that out. So this kettlebell sport could be a very interesting thing. The other thing I wanted to ask you is, uh, did you notice any imbalances left to right? Did this bring that oh, about? Yeah. Did you get, assessed for some of that is that you know that's definitely my my kind of 
you know. <laughs> so my my coach is uh, I actually just recently switched coaches uh, because I am training for a competition and I wanted someone who I was working with the coach vir virtually, which was awesome. Um, but training for a competition, I wanted someone to work locally. Actually, we're kind of trying to start to get a kind of a sport team together in person hmm. in New York City to, to train together. Um, so I wanted someone who kind of lived close by and we could do in-person trainings, you know, um, once a week or once every other so week. Anybody in the New York City area, if you want to join in, jump in. Please let us know. We, we are, <laughs> New York City is very interesting in that it does, it does not currently have a kettlebell sport team, but it has hmm. multiple world champions in kettlebell sport. Wow. Yeah. Um, of like it's which is kind of crazy um yeah but bringing together the that that's missing like again that team dangerous kind of almost <laughs> connection uh my coach is a uh won a world championship with 24 kilo bells a few years ago he's been in the sport for nearly a decade uh he's a master of sport which is a, a designation given by like the russian sporting governing mm. body to indicate that you have reached a certain level of ability which is kind right. of cool um it's kind of like a sports doctorate in a way, but for accomplishment in the sport. Right. And uh, so I just started with him about a month ago. And over the course of this like seven month training cycle we're doing to get me prepped for this competition, the first two months are all about addressing imbalances. And it's mm -hmm. a lot of, I actually am only training in kettlebell sport like twice a week right now. The other four workouts I have are just addressing imbalances or monostructural cardio. Nice. Because I have, as you know, Bo, a ton of imbalances. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of a, I guess, trick question, sort of almost. I was trying to, but I, I was, I was genuinely curious, like what, what you are doing about it. So yeah, no, I, again, having known David for uh, coming up on 11 years, maybe I would say. Coming up on. 10, 10? Um, I think it was 2011 ish. We met in 2012. 2012. So okay. we are coming up on nine. 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 And what is that the brass anniversary? Do I, should I get you something brass? I should I get you a brass monkey? No, I, I think I'm a, I think I'm allergic to brass. So like, I can't wear like brass belt buckles or like brass jewelry. Not that I really wear jewelry, but mm, I so. will. I'll have to double check what the nine year anniversary is. I'll, Three take, years. I'll, I'll, take, I'll just take gold things. Just go ahead. And okay. It. Okay. My, it, it is Maha and I's uh, three year wedding anniversary, which uh, traditionally is leather. So I will leave it at that. <laughs> leather also works. Leather's yeah. great. So you want you want some some leather stuff? Okay, I got yeah, you. I got yeah. You. Give me some leather. Uh, <laughs> I actually need to get a new belt because they make belts specifically for kettlebell sport, oh. and the best ones are handmade out of like a very soft, malleable leather because you're not mm. the belt's not yeah. very like tight. You have to mm. you wear it for like in a specific way. So, <laughs> As, well, you're trying, perfect. You're, hold on, you're trying to drop a weight class, so I'll wait for you to. Uh, That's to when I finish. I haven't actually ordered like a custom because they'll like size them custom to you, uh, so they fit around like your iliac crest like perfectly mm. uh i haven't ordered mine because i'm still like yeah i still have like nine pounds to drop um so i don't want to order it and then like spend two hundred dollars on a custom leather handmade kind of a sport belt and then just like it not fit <laughs> i gotcha i gotcha so then how does the bourbon that you post about every single day fit into <laughs> i don't drink trip? every day i just want to no, you don't drink that. you just post about it and you seem to be uh certainly using it as a platform to to just engage in more conversation around something that you're very passionate about, which is always is a beautiful thing when we can utilize uh, the, the wonders of social media for positive things. So yeah, tell, tell us all about the bourbon trade. Um, I don't know if I'm the biggest industry expert, but I, I grew <laughs> up in, I was born in Kentucky and I grew up in Bardstown, Kentucky. 
And for those uh, who have ever done like the Bourbon Trail or know anything about bourbon, um, Bardstown, Kentucky is the, the center of the Bourbon Trail. It is the bourbon capital of the world. In fact, um, the elementary school I went to was literally right across from the Barton Distillery. Um, the town smelled like sour mash, which is what you you which is how you ferment bourbon. <laughs> um, so it was very much a part of my upbringing. It was like the thing my town was based on, right? And the fact that bourbon has exploded and become so popular in the past decade, really since we've known each other, Bo, is really yes. interesting because it, the town has grown accordingly. So I grew up in this town that like no one cared about that hmm. made this drink that was like very much a bottom shelf thing. And then bourbon kind of exploded. It became this thing. And my experience with it growing up was very different because it was like, you know, you wanted a tour of the distillery. These days they have visitor centers and like, you know, right. all these like special tourism packages for people who are interested in bourbon tourism. Bourbon tourism was not a thing when I was growing up, right? Yeah. You wanted a tour of a distillery, like you knocked on the door, someone came off the line and like, yeah, it was like showed yeah. you around. Like it was very low tech. And <laughs> the fact I, I like sharing, um, about bourbon I'm drinking, about experiences I'm having um, with bourbon because it keeps me connected to where I grew up. And I think it's a different perspective. For example, this past weekend, I was out at my my favorite bar in New York City, which you've I don't think you've ever been to, Bo. Next time you're in town, we got to go. Um, what was the name? In, the bar? I, you posted, I think, on yeah. one of the social media. It's in Carroll Gardens. It's called Travel Bar, yes. an amazing selection of whiskeys from around the world. And I went to Travel Bar this, this past weekend with a few friends. And over the course of over the course of two hours, I met four different people who worked in the bourbon whiskey industry, mm. right? Um, because this bar is kind of a known entity. So if you come to New York, you, you go by this bar, try to get them to carry your bottles and things like that. And the owner of Travel Bar, who I know, would be like, oh, David, come meet this person from Barrelcraft Spirits or come meet this person from Nashville Barrel Company who's visiting and what he would say is he would introduce me as a, a guy from Bardstown, Kentucky. And the conversation you have with people is very different mm. because it kind of tells people, oh, I'm not into bourbon because it's like the cool thing to be into right, right. and showing pop. And showing I was born there. It's my right. birthright. Right. Yeah. Because the, th the thing to do now <laughs> is like I see Instagram influencers who are in the fitness industry, like go posting pictures of their Pappy Van Winkle bottles. Like, okay, yeah. you overpaid for a bottle of bourbon. Cool. Like, <laughs> good, good for you, man. Right? Yeah. Some liquor store is super happy to have you as a customer. That's great. That's not why I'm in it. It's very much part of what I grew up around. And I, I, I hope to be able to bring people a perspective that's a little bit more authentic and to show people that, like, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to spend $2,000 on a bottle of bourbon to get a great bourbon, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there are amazing bourbons that I think everyone can enjoy that are incredibly complex and are true pieces of craftsmanship. And they're $35 at your, yeah. at your local liquor store. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's, you, you can, tr I love trying the expensive stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> nothing is like, I have never had a, a, a bourbon that is $2,000 a bottle better than <laughs> right. like, than right. like, Knob Creek Nine, which Knob yeah. Creek Nine year, which is like thirty five dollars. Yeah, yeah. Is that one of the 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 top recommendations for folks? Just grab yeah. a Knob Creek Nine if you haven't had it. If you have a bottle of Knob Creek Nine year um, at home, it'll run you under forty dollars most places. Gr great, like it, like 
it will make everyone happy, whether they yeah. like cocktails, neat on the rug. I, I right. will come over to your place and drink it if you're <laughs> offering. Yeah. Great. If you want a great rye, people are into rye whiskey. Awesome. High West Double Rye is under $40 a bottle, and it is amazing. Like, go grab some, you know? And guess what? Those two bottles, you spent $75 total, and you have a world-class American whiskey bar. Congratulations. Nice. I'm going to I'm gonna go out and get both of those. I, I did reach, I sent you the picture. I tried the uh, Colorado, Colorado uh, whiskey that was made here. But anyway... Wait, wait, wait. Colorado, which which one did you send? I forget which. Um, I don't remember the name of it right now. We can do a like a virtual walk I, through my I just, house and go grab it if you want. <laughs> I just picked up a bottle of Breckenridge and I'm really excited about. Oh yeah, and I mean, that's, uh, a, that's a famous skiing area here that uh, yeah, we and have then to check out. Colorado two ninety one is also a very they've become very popular and are putting out yeah. a lot of really cool stuff these days. Oh, yeah, again, we just moved here, so like we were like we want to try everything local and. This is it's fireside straight bourbon whiskey. Oh, I've not had that. Mile high spirits. I don't know. Oh, the thing is all backwards. The camera, crazy stream yard. It's actually anyway. the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've not. But that's the thing. That's the thing I love about um, American whiskeys is that like it's very tied to place. It's really interesting, and I think for people who like. I know people who are really into wine who have been getting into American whiskeys. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's just a good time to get into it. It's like it's it's a very fun hobby. Drink responsibly, um, but you don't have to drink a ton, right? You can sample <clears throat> two bourbons in a night with some friends, have a good conversation, and like have just awesome experiences. You don't have to like you don't have to drink your bourbon as shots like a lot of us did <laughs> in college. You know, yeah, yeah. Picklebacks. I like. Oh pickle- god, I hate picklebacks. Come on, come on. All right. I did want to jump back to uh, unless there's anything specific you wanted to finish off with on the bourbon, but I think we we covered that pretty well. I did want to ask about your mentioning that with the break in Olympic weightlifting competition, there was a bunch of records that were broken uh, at the at the newer uh, competition a couple of days ago. Uh, I know, I know, was it a lot a lot in the forty nine kilo class? Yes. Well, there are two international competitions going on right now. Actually, there are. <clears throat> Europeans was a couple weeks ago. Now we have the Asian Championships and Pan Ams going on basically simultaneously, like almost like they're overlapping significantly. And like we are writing to our editorial team, like we're having trouble keeping up with all the records. World records Mm -hmm. at the Asian Championships, many Pan American and American records at the Pan Ams. And it's just because a lot of people, I mean, here's the reason, right? Like, a big, a big reason. It should, it might be multifactorial. But when you are training and weightlifting, and when you have to compete frequently, which high-level athletes have had to recently because the Olympic qualification standard now means you have to compete more often mm-hmm. um, in order to qualify for the Olympics, <clears throat> you are peaking for that next competition. Mm-hmm. But that does not necessarily mean you have a lot of time to increase your strength because you always right. have to be fresh for the next competition, right? Right. But what you've had is people who have not competed in over a year, so they've had a year. Mm-hmm. to just go on longer training cycles to work on their weaknesses to like build back from the ground up they haven't had to like do little mini peaks for competitions and so they're coming out and they're lifting ridiculous weights um and setting new records yeah. <clears throat> because they've just been in the gym for the past year and they haven't had to like deload or prep for co- other competitions it's outstanding yeah well that's that's kind of what i was wondering of of you know yeah and i'd love to see maybe i'll i'll if you if you guys would allow me to dive deep into a barbend article, but I would love to see a barbend article kind of exploring that concept from an exercise physiology standpoint. And it's something that uh, again in the in the CrossFit space, 
um, especially with the more aged athletes uh, that OPEX, uh, and you had James Fitzgerald on your podcast, mm -hmm. and he was my coach uh, around the time we that I first started, first had a coach, and and when we back when you and I were working out, and uh, Lexi's jumping in here. Tao doesn't really love my dog for some reason. I'm not a dog person. Not a dog person. Not Leo. a dog person. Everyone just kind of turned off the podcast right there. No, um, <laughs> but um, sorry, she's going a little crazy. She just came in from outside. So uh, yeah, OPEX, what I was starting to say, uh, which used to be OPT uh, as a training methodology, they had a lot, of, again, especially of their more uh, elder, aged athletes take a full year off to focus on a lot of those things. So they didn't have to be in that training cycle or the competition cycle rather um, so it's a fascinating thing. And again, I'm curious if, again, that silver lining of CrossFit is going to change things moving forward to say, oh, to say, sorry, dog playing ball again, um, to, to say, hey, like, you're, are you okay with taking this year off? Or again, I know there's, uh, you know, four year Olympic cycle, you need to qualify for Olympics. Are there ways that we can kind of uh, play around with that where, you know, you show up uh, eight years later? And again, I know a lot of these uh, when I took a course actually with Craig Pugh, who was in the comments there doing a little trolling about Dogecoin and such, um, him and I went up to Maine for a, uh, it was called Behind the the Red Curtain or something like that about the communists. There was a Cuban coach, so it was uh, uh, going behind the wall. And I mean, they had a 16-year Olympic plan. Like they, you know, if today, today is 2021, they could tell you what you're going to be doing on April 22nd of uh, 2037. Uh, so trying to do some quick math there. Not so quick, but anyway. Um, yeah. So I, I was just wondering, I guess, if you think that'll change anything or are the, you know, is it, Hey, you're, you're in your prime. We don't want to lose out on too many competitions and you need to just keep pushing the competition side. I mean, it's different for every sport. Olympic qualification for weightlifting. They've made very clear, that athletes will need to compete more regularly than in decades past in order to qualify for the Olympics. Part is that, of that is that is that worldwide? Uh, is that that is worldwide? That okay. is worldwide. Part of that is due to doping regulations. Mm -hmm. More international competitions means more opportunities to test athletes at an international competition, right? And there is out of competition testing too, right? Right. Um, but um, that's you know often done normally done by the national testing agencies. Yes. So this allows um, for more more testing of athletes for <laughs> performance enhancing and banned substances at international competition. So I think this is the new norm and I'm that's not going to decrease, I don't think, because um, <clears throat> weightlifting is still in the hot seat. It is still at risk of losing its Olympic spot mm -hmm. because of, of doping <clears throat> controversy in addition to other controversies. Um, ergo, I think that we are going to see athletes for the next quad be required to compete as much, if not more mm. than, um, this previous quad that creates a lot of interesting financial implications. It's very yeah. expensive to compete internationally. Travel ain't cheap. Right. Right. Um, but I, if I can jump in, I guess the question to, to, to build or maybe specify more of my well my question is, so can somebody take a four four years off and I, i'm guessing this is done already and then you know compete into that next quad and say you know what i mean sure they can but in weightlifting you have a very short you only have so many uh, like Peaks. olympic cycles yeah you know, <clears throat> powerlifting is a sport where you know 
heck, David Ricks set was setting world records, open world records at age fifty eight or age fifty seven. Hmm. Like, dude has been an international level powerlifter for forty years. Yeah, uh, and shows no signs of slowing down. You don't see that in weightlifting. The oldest you will see. I mean, I've seen early 40s at like yeah. World Weightlifting Championships, but that's the exception. The oldest you'll normally see is like mid 30s, and that's old in yeah. weightlifting. Is your friend, what, is your buddy Chad Vaughn going to push that envelope? You think? Chad will never compete in the Olympics again. I'm sorry well, to say. Oh, okay. We're talking. We're talking that level. Sorry. Yeah, but he's he's still doing pretty good level. He's yeah. still doing well. He he nearly won a u.s national championship at age 39 i was right. doing commentary That's... for the session and he was yeah. he was this he was disclosed <laughs> um but you know masters weightlifting is becoming more of a thing and i think masters weightlifting is growing and becoming more competitive um <clears throat> which is great but weightlifting you only have so many olympic cycles right right like right, you right. you your prime is your 20s so it's 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 tough it's yeah. tough yeah I just, yeah, again, I get the logistics of it, I guess my, but seeing that, you know, record breaking world record setting just from taking a year off, um, just again, and this is something we talk about a bit in CrossFit and the, you know, like, wow, like no one expected based on the exercise physiology textbook for you to be able to do, you know, run a four minute mile and, you know, snatch 300 pounds in the same day or, or whatever, yeah, you know, uh, there was uh, what was the exact thing? I know you guys covered that uh, one. Squat, back squat, squat. Five, back squat five hundred and run under a five minute mile. Yeah, in the same day. Mm -hmm. Pretty impressive. Or, or what Michael Moraglia did was he deadlifted five hundred pounds and ran a mile together in under five minutes. Wow! <clears throat> so pretty, he took the weights pretty. out to the track. Mm. Uh, ironically, what well, when we visited Iceland and we joked about our buddy uh, Ari. Uh, <laughs> that he, he had just lost the, it was a hundred meter sprint, but we said, if there was a power clean bar at the end of that <laughs> or, or at the beginning, beginning yeah, or the yeah. beginning, the power clean a hundred kilos yes. and then do the run, <laughs> and then do the run. He would have definitely, uh, won, but yeah, shout out to Ari with a uh, young, youngin. He has a little kiddo. Um, but yeah, uh, good trip to Iceland, by the way. Great trip. One of, a one of my, one of my top trips of life hopefully uh we can all get back there soon for a reunion i look yes. back fond I, I look back on that very fondly it was a great trip it was a great trip we would <laughs> eat blocks of cheese sitting on the the corner because the quality of cheese was just phenomenal and we it was great that love of food yeah it was like <laughs> yeah we would just buy like deli meats and cheese at the grocery store and, and, and the and salmon we, and packs and, of yeah salmon. and the packs of salmon we were like this is really good we're this just gonna eat this incredible yeah, yeah. <laughs> people were just looking at us like and drinking <laughs> a carton of milk i loved the milk they had there yes <clears throat> so people and, were in the 24-hour hot dog stand yeah so people were looking like i was sitting on the sidewalk i got a lot of stairs just like drinking a carton of milk and eating <laughs> some deli meats and cheese and everyone's like are you okay <laughs> like i'm great actually and we were also there for for the listeners at a, uh, during the time of year when it was twenty four hours of sunlight, which was interesting. Coming out of a club at three in the morning, and it's perfectly bright out. Like eh, something weird. It's, it's a it's a cool experience. But yeah, anyway, very cool, man. I want to be uh, respectful of your time. Uh, anything else that uh, we didn't cover that you wanted to cover today? Yeah. Thank you for having me, Bo. It's an honor. If anyone has any questions about barbend, bourbon, kettlebell sport, reach out to me on social media or email me at david at barbend.com. And uh, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. I'm glad we could yes, do it sir. kind of in a live format. So I appreciate that. 
Yeah, I was like, why, why schedule a regular call when we can schedule a live? Make it a business call. That's right. That's how that's you. That's right. how you know. I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to say yes. You'll have to. Yes, exactly. It's and what? What was the way you uh, said when we first got on? Uh, it's been as long as it needed to be between <laughs> between times we've spoken. But yeah, we we do text and keep each other apprised of our workouts and things like that. Still, so hopefully we keep that going. But yes, thank you again for being on. Uh, yeah, guys, go check him out. If you enjoy the conversation, don't forget to share, like, subscribe. I'll be a little bit more professional about this one day. Probably not. I'm not making any promises. But yes, do like, do share, do subscribe, do go follow Bar Bend and listen. And if you have any any fitness related stuff at all, if you want to go check out my content where I contributed to Bar Bend, there's a few good articles that I, I think were pretty useful um, that still make their way through some, um, you know, some some search engines somehow, some way. Anyway. Uh, you can say, I'm going to say goodbye, but, uh, yeah, thanks guys. Get 1% better. Hope this conversation helped you do that. And hopefully Bo knows more stuff now. I don't know. We'll find out soon. Talk to you later. See you, David. Boom. Done.